0: Welcome to Coming Out of the Basement. I am your host, Benjamin Crowder, and our other host here is Carlos Ovalle. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Carlos, who are we and what do we do?
1: Um, So Coming Out of the Basement started, it looks like, three years ago this month. Uh, The website did anyway. And basically, a group of friends got together and said, you know... Between a lot of us we have an awful lot of geeky hobbies, right? We like tabletop games, RPGs, video games, geeky television, film, music, comics, books, just you know, a wide variety of stuff that people get really passionate about. And you know, there's there's the regular stuff that we put under the geek category and there's also stuff like architecture and politics and just when we talked when we made the site we talked about just things that make us geek out you know stuff that we really care about that we can go on about forever and um we decided to make a blog and you know we've had various degrees of participation in the blog in in recent times it's been a little bit less but we still try to keep it up every now and then and so bj between bj and i we have an awful lot of uh geek interest would you say yeah <laughs> and uh, we we um we go across a very wide span of uh, geek interest i would say that's, that's very true <laughs> i mean just just between the two of us we probably are exposed to a whole lot of geek stuff um and and we thought hey let's try podcasts. you know we we, we
0: listen to podcasts regularly uh and we think they can be pretty interesting so a uh, good way to just listen to two people kind of dissect the conversation, not that there aren't already a whole bunch of podcasts, but we feel we have something to add to the mix. That's right. Uh, we, we, we give it the Texas vibe, right? The te- Although you and I are probably horrible examples of Texans, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best to give it the uh, the Texas vibe, per se. Hey, hey Texas born and raised, man. <laughs> um, not so much me. I'm, I'm a damn Yankee. Uh, born and raised Burlington, Vermont, and, and came down here and complained about the weather, so that makes me... <laughs> Not it's, so liked here.
1: I think I, I think you've been here long enough that you can be considered a convert, right? <laughs> I, I, I
0: moved mean, here when I was five. So, um, <laughs> brief explanation. Um, my name is uh, Benjamin Crowder. I go by the, the name BJ a lot of times. Um, I work in the IT industry as an email jockey for a large uh, uh, con- uh, software company. And all things geek-related. You know, movies, comics, D&D. I do it all. Um, you do a little bit more of the... Uh, tabletop gaming and the mm-hmm. comic books. I think I do a little bit more of the, the video game playing and and the movie stuff. Yeah, um,
1: so I'm Carlos Ovalle. Uh, I also work in IT, although in the education sector, and um, I run a computer lab, and I'm a doctoral student. I study... Um, well, information studies—the most generic subject that you could possibly think of—but specifically study stuff like libraries and archives, and specifically copyright and digital copyright. Um, and I do a lot of work in that area. And yeah, geek-wise, I'm into a whole lot of stuff. And comics, actually, you know. Um, I, I grew up with comics, uh, learned to read on comics, and, and collected comics for a really long time, and only recently have started to get back into it. So I think I missed a period there that uh, that, you, that you have a bit more experience with than me, but I'm trying to get into it again.
0: How much of your original collection do you still have?
1: Um, in Edinburgh, all of it. I, I haven't lost a single thing. We've got thousands of comics. I mean, it, of course, it was my dad buying it back then, but it all still exists. We have complete runs
0: of some 90s series. So yeah. <laughs> I, I am the proud owner of a pretty much worthless uh, Valiant series of Excellent. Exo, <laughs> Exo Man of War, Shadow Man of say- the Atom. you know, all <laughs> sorts of goofy stuff. And Excellent. and I, I looked it up recently and it's pretty much not worth anything. So <laughs> No, we got a lot of stuff. I mean, I
1: doubt it's worth anything, but we have like a complete run of Firestorm and you know nineties Green Lantern and uh you know some batman we we have the original death in the family and stuff like that so
0: oh very nice yeah. very nice yeah. good stuff mm-hmm. to have so mm-hmm. we both have uh i never realized it but you, well you are public sector and i'm private sector and that in the it industry and i think that's always an interesting perspective <laughs> to come from you know mm-hmm. there's definitely a difference in public and private sector but those aren't really geek related so we probably won't cover those much <laughs> unless we do go off into just a wild tangent exactly <laughs> um But within the geek realm, you recently came across some interesting stuff with Kickstarter. Yeah, so um, you know, crowd with the internet,
1: of course, uh, we've seen the introduction of crowdfunding to RPG things. So um, the the earliest that I remember is Wolfgang Bauer, uh, you know, former WotC employee who went on and did. Cobalt uh, Quarterly, and then Open Design, and what he started doing was these kind of uh, patron-funded projects. Um, so basically, a bunch of people they they sign up, they pay a certain amount, and they get various levels of access to the project. And basically, this way, the books are funded before you know completely before they can be published. And only if they get completely funded um, are they published. And in the Open Design model, you know, you have a chance to actually contribute if you pay. Uh, if you pay certain certain, actually, if you pay anything. You You can contribute a certain amount, but different levels give you different access. Um, And it actually works out really well. They've put out a lot of great stuff, a lot of award-winning stuff, and uh, a lot of authors have gotten their starts that way. Um, Adam Daigle, who recently got hired by Paizo, is one example, who uh, really looked like cut his teeth on open design stuff, uh, as well as Brandon Hodge, uh, both local Austinites, although Adam recently had to move to Seattle to join Paizo, which is very cool. But yeah, so other companies started doing that too. Uh, Wright Publishing, uh, Zombie Sky Press and all these different groups have started moving to this kind of patronage model where people basically crowdfund RPGs. So of course, Kickstarter, Kickstarter being the, the big giant crowdfunding site, uh, has really taken off also. And um, it's it's it, uh, it looks like Cobalt Quarterly, the last two things that they've done have come out on Kickstarter and a bunch of other people are moving to it. So um, White Wolf, you know, famous World of Darkness folks uh, were purchased by CCP several years back. And, um, you know, CCP had a bit of trouble uh, last year when they came out with like microtransactions and stuff and they had to cut people and and a lot of those came from the white wolf studio unfortunately well they've been kickstarter uh doing kickstarter to fund their books recently so uh they came out with a a 20th anniversary vampire the masquerade which seemed to be really successful and then they you know so successful that they went ahead and did the v20 vampire companion and that was a kickstarter project so one of the things that i think i'd like to talk about Maybe a little bit regularly on the podcast is uh, mentioned Kickstarter projects that have either finished, but you can still, you know, buy the product or that are ongoing so you could potentially fund it. Um, I've funded a lot of stuff through Kickstarter. And one really excellent thing about Kickstarter is that it's a good way to fund kind of niche things. So uh, you said
0: you've used Kickstarter before, right? Yeah, so there's a podcast I really enjoy called Tell 'em Steve Dave, uh, part of this Smodcast Network, and they were going to do one of the first um, ever uh, LP prints of a podcast. They were going to print it to records and send it out to the people. And one of the things I find really interesting about Kickstarter is that it's really kind of designed for people to – it's almost like a pre-order system for right. them to to get enough money, and you can – you can pledge more than that, right? You know, or you can pledge yeah. less than that. But there seems to be like the 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 sweet spot where you pledge this much, and you'll get the product, right? right. Because so much of industry is based around having a certain amount of um, net worth to produce the product and then sell it, and then you reap the benefits afterwards, right? Right. This is a way for companies to kind of independently get pre-orders that will fund the project through development, right? And different tiers get you different stuff. It's, you know, everybody,
1: there's some rules associated with it. Like you have to actually get a product. You can't, but uh, yeah, it's been, I've been really impressed with the stuff I've seen on Kickstarter. Um, I've funded, it looks like, looking at my backer history, I've funded 13 projects, uh, some of which you can still purchase. So uh, the Miskatonic School for Girls deck-building game, which someday we will play and talk about, uh, it was funded through that, which I recently received. Very cool. Cthulhu-based card game about a girl school uh, where your teachers are, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the elder ones. Uh, and also a couple of other really interesting things. Uh, Quantum Role-Playing Game by Josh Frost. Uh, which is a sci-fi based RPG uh, got completely funded and super successful. They made a ton, 328% funded, you know, more than forty thousand dollars, which was really uh, a good early sign of 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 uh, what this funding could do for RPGs. Um, also funded Tefra, which is a steampunk role-playing game that was actually created here in Austin as well, um, and it it was 2,282% funded. So I mean, it, these these things are doing really well. Um, RPG-wise, also funded a uh, rogue mage, which is based on kind of an urban fantasy series, and the vampire companion that I mentioned before. And just today, uh, I joined the funding for something called Witch Girl's Books of Shadows, which is an RPG uh, mainly directed towards getting, um, particularly children in, uh, and and uh, into RPGs. Which I'm really I'm really supportive of, of, of that kind of effort. So it looks really cool.
0: And it's not just RPGs that, no. that use uh, Kickstarter. I actually noticed that there's a lot of uh, documentary films on there, um, a lot of little projects, you know, anime projects, stuff like that. Kevin Smith almost used Kickstarter to do uh, Red State with. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and there were some problems with how they were going to handle some of the financial stuff with it because you have to report, you know, whenever you make a movie and if it's going to be a movie that needs to, you know, he he did a uh, an Academy run, um, to to get some of his actors in there to you know possibly get nominated and stuff like that. And when you have it that official, you have to report on your producers and stuff like that, and you can't you know report on someone whose you know Kickstarter name is Harry Balls or something like that, right? It just Isn't conducive to that, well, right? So you could come on. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess you like, could text like, it's like the, the
1: Stephen Colbert super pack, is what it's like. With them. yeah, well,
0: um, that's a whole
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: conversation, yeah. Here. So
1: I, yeah, I, I've contributed to some some other things also. Uh, one that's that's semi RPG related is Monty Cook actually uh, did a Kickstarter with Jen Page, uh, who you may know as the sorceress from, uh, um what in the world is that geek movie that, that, uh... Oh, yeah, now I'm drawing a blank. It's uh, the Darkness Rising. Oh, the Gamers. Uh, the, g- the Gamers, right. Yeah, so Jen games. Page was a sorceress and the Gamers too. So her and Monty Cook got together and decided that they were going to do a, uh, you know, Ghost Hunters investigating the paranormal kind of uh, documentary. And so they funded themselves their Kickstarter. Um, you know, even though I don't believe in any of it, I think that could be a whole lot of fun. Um, I've also fund, helped fund Code Hero, which is a game that teaches people how to make games, teaches kids how to code and stuff, which sounded really cool. Now, have you ever seen the show called Community?
0: Yes, I, I'm a big fan of Community.
1: I've heard that I am a horrible geek for not having. I don't watch a lot of television, so I haven't seen Community yet. But apparently, and and I did see this is that there was they did a series called uh, Doctor Space Time.
0: <laughs> yes, I do <laughs> remember. Doc.
1: It's it's a, a spoof of Doctor Who. Basically. Exactly, and and I saw a little t- the little tiny clip that they did on it, and I thought it was hilarious. Well, um, they decided to do, and by they I mean the guy who played Doctor Space Time decided to do a Kickstarter. Um, A Kickstarter funding for making the Doctor Space Time television series. So he did a web series or web series, I should say. Unfortunately, you know, what happens when this happens is uh, they got a call saying, hey, you might be infringing on our copyright. So you've got to take it down. So what he did is instead of having the Doctor Space Time web series, they have untitled web series about a space traveler. And they're making that into a web series. And if you Google untitled web series about a stray traveler. you can find the current iteration of Dr. Spacetime.
0: That's a little silly, but <laughs> yeah, it, it works for me. Oh, and it looks like they are completely um, successfully uh, they, funded. They
1: are successfully funded, and, and you should be able to get their stuff, uh, you know, hopefully within the year. The, the The last one I want to tell you about is one that's, that's still going on, and there is a show called uh, a movie that they're trying to uh, fund called Best Friends Forever. An ap- apocalyptic feature film, which is uh, combine two girls, a '76 AMC Pacer, the open road, and an impending nuclear apocalypse. Then you get best friends forever, and it's filmed uh, filmed in L.A. and in Texas. And it's a zombie apocalypse movie. It looks really cool.
0: Another zombie apocalypse movie that'll never it, get old.
1: And, well, it might, but
0: this one I think <laughs> has some has some uh, has some really good potential. I I say that even though I'm a huge fan of The Walking Dead series. (laughs) I I read the entire um, comic series and I'm loyally watching the the, uh, TV series also. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Kickstarter. Do you ever think that we'll see, like, a major motion picture funded by Kickstarter? You know, I don't... I guess it depends on how we
1: define a major motion picture. If you're talking about something like Red State uh, or more some indie films, yeah, I think definitely. Uh, like paramount back stuff, I'm not so sure. Not soon, anyway.
0: Well, well, we'll put it a little bit more defined. Let's say something that um, you see at one of the, the local Regal Cinemas or oh, uh, Cinemarks, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. oh totally. I mean I think even I think Best Friends Forever could be such a thing. I mean they've got a really ambitious goal, a seventy five thousand dollar goal, and uh uh which of course, you know, in movie making terms isn't a lot of money, but um you know, i i think I think that'll definitely happen.
0: I almost said Alamo Draft House, but you can see just about anything at the Alamo Draft I, yes, House. Yes.
1: You can see air sex, you can see, you know, home movies, <laughs> whatever.
0: Did you ever tell you about one of my birthday uh parties they got a copy of the original Conan the Barbarian print and played it for my uh, my birthday party at the Alamo Draft House. That is awesome. That you was like pretty it. awesome, yeah. So... I I think that uh, this is just going to do nothing but be good for the community at large, you know, allows us to to fund projects. I think you will see – well, one of the things I find funny is if you look at these movie projects, they say, you know, if you contribute X number of money, you will be considered a producer. Yes. And and you'll show up in IMDb. Yep. So I think IMDb is going to be flooded with a whole bunch of quote-unquote producers. Well, if they get funded, it's going to be the – Thing, if, yeah. they, if they get funded, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. So IMDb was already flooded with a lot of quote-unquote actors, right? Now we're just going to have a lot of quote-unquote producers flooding yeah. IMDb. So,
1: yeah, since I've never been quite sure what a producer does exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, actually, I, I did a report on uh, producers for, for film school a long time ago. This is back before I, be, I was an English major. And I contacted um, Scott Mosier from uh, the producer of all of Kevin Smith's films. Right. Um, and I was like, hey, I'm doing a report on producers. Can you kind of give me the lowdown? And so he actually gave me a really good email just kind of explaining the, what a producer does. And it's a matter of um, finding – to kind of boil it down to the lowest common denominator, it's about, about finding resources, be it finding Financial resources, um, places to film, equipment—you know—it's it's really somebody who's a resource finder. Mm-hmm. And and that makes sense why you'd be considered a producer because you know within Kickstarter you are providing you know right. the the most generic resource of them all mm. money. And, and yep, yep, and you'll
1: see people asking like, hey, if you have this type of camera and are in this area, then give us a ring.
0: <laughs> so yeah, <clears throat> you know if you can't provide money, provide you know other things. it you know, yep. all helps out in the end. So, all right. Well, I think uh, that wraps
1: it up for Kickstarter for today. But like I said, I think that's something I want to revisit as these different really excellent Kickstarter projects come out, and you know, hopefully, give us a chance to jump in.
0: Oh, absolutely! Highlight you know mm-hmm. things that are, are coming up and and things that you find interesting, because the audience at large might want to contribute to, be it an RPG book or a movie or something like that. So uh, yeah, we'll 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 keep uh, tabs on what's going on on Kickstarter. There's always something interesting going on there. Mm-hmm. So um, what I wanted to bring up today is um, to kind of change gears a little bit is uh, a comic series. You know, you and I both continue to read comics on a regular basis. Uh, yep. The IT world has made that easier than ever with comic readers. I read a lot of my comics on my tablet, actually.
1: I've started doing that. Um, I, You know, my... my... My only kind of sort of concern is is the licensing involved with electronic comics. The same thing with books. Uh, but at this point in time, I think the lack of space on my
0: multiple bookshelves is an overriding concern. <laughs> yeah, you have no space left on your bookshelf. It's actually <laughs> kind of disturbing. You go in there, and I swear something's going to pop out any moment from the <laughs> shelf. So, you know, you have to have sort of like a specific in and out space, you know, saved there. <laughs> so, um. But my wife uh, is a librarian, and they get a ton of graphic novel series, and you know, fairly recent stuff too. A lot of uh, recent Marvel and DC, and even some of the the third party stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. And so, on a regular basis, she'll bring a stack of comics for me to read, and you know, they go into the bathroom, and I go through them one at a time, you know, uh, throughout the uh, the weeks and such. And one of the ones I stumbled upon recently was one called uh, Superman Grounded. Um, Superman Grounded was uh, written by uh, J. Michael Straczynski, and uh, it was illustrated by Eddie Barrows. And it's really about Superman kind of losing touch with the common person and trying to reestablish his connection uh, with the populace of Earth, right? Right. So J. Michael Straczynski has
1: done some really great comics in the past and, of course, Babylon 5. Yep. So, yeah.
0: And and I think that it has merit— because it's coming in after a bunch of really groundbreaking stuff that happened in the Marvel and in the, in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. This is pre New Fifty Two, and I want to get into the the Fifty Two, but that'll be a later series because I got a whole big beef about the the New Fifty Two.
1: <laughs> so we this, is, in, this yeah. is interesting to me because, so like I said, I went through kind of a. A very uh, several years where I only bought one or two series, but really since Fifty Two, I've uh, I've I've started reading stuff again. So I've read Superman since Fifty Two, but I haven't read. Uh, I I missed the whole grounded thing. So this is this is interesting for me.
0: Yeah, and so next time I think maybe you and I maybe if not next time the time after that talk about the Fifty Two because mm-hmm. I've got a you know a lot of beef about that. But we're <laughs> we're gonna avoid that for now since okay. Superman grounded takes place before the Fifty Two gotcha. uh, changeover. over mm-hmm. Um. But it's post-Crisis, it's uh, post-New uh, Krypton, and it's post-Darkest um, Night, right? Mm-hmm. So the DC Universe has been kind of shook um, with you know three back-to-back fairly major events. Um, Superman is feeling kind of disconnected after all that. He's been off fighting the big-picture events. Right. And my big problem is – my problem isn't him – Walking around, he basically what he does is um, he loses his connection with the common man. So he goes on walkabout. That's why it's called grounded because he doesn't fly. Okay. Um, he actually does kind of fly, but it's it's kind of weird. He's like, oh, there's something I got important I got to talk to Lois about. So he goes and he flies to Lois, talks to Lois, and then he comes back to the point where he stopped walking. To continue walking again. Is he planting apple seeds as he goes along? No, he's okay. doing some weird things, <laughs> and, and and I'll kind of get into some of that. By the way, you know, if you're listening, spoiler, spoiler, we're gonna cover some some stuff here. So my big problem is the catalyst, the the thing that causes him to go on this walkabout. Um, full disclosure. Um, Within my family, as you know, Carlos, uh, we've had a lot of cancer in my family from you know my immediate family, mm-hmm. and so the the reason for this is I'm I'm sympathetic to. But what happens is during some press event, um, Superman's talking about some of the super things he's been doing, and some lady comes up and slaps him, just full on, open palm smacks him in the face, right does nothing to him, of course, Man of Steel, all that good stuff, right? And she even says, I know you didn't feel this, but, and she throws a picture at him, pictures of her husband, and she says, um, he died, and you could have prevented it. And so I'm like on the edge of my seat, I'm like, oh my god, he, he died during crisis, or he died during, you know, the new Kryptons went out of control, blah, 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 you know, something horrible happened, and like, you know, right. a, a car got thrown or something, and he got smushed, right? I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested, I'm, I'm invested. And she says, he, my husband had brain cancer, and he died of that. With your supervision, your x-ray vision, you could have seen the brain cancer. And with your heat ray vision, you could have burned the brain cancer out. And I'll never forgive yeah. you for not being there to save him.
1: Yeah. That's... And
0: as soon as I read that, I was like, what the hell?
1: Yeah, that's so, silly in multiple ways.
0: It is, <laughs> it is completely and ridiculously silly. And like I said, I'm sympathetic. Lost yeah members to cancer all right i understand how shitty that is yeah same here but you're expecting superman to burn out the brain cancer isn't it just as likely that he's going to melt your husband's brain i don't know it was just and and so that's the thing and and there's as he's doing his walkabout, he flashes back to that moment that lady slapped him, and the picture of the husband. And he he keeps the picture of the husband, and he looks it out, you know, looks at it, you know, from time to time as he's doing this stuff. And I, you know, I continued to read the whole series because I think some of the stuff he did was interesting. But for me, it was deflated by that that very simple and very opening event because it made no sense to me, right? If it would have been something like her husband died during a fight or or something like that, you know, you can still make it kind of mundane, but, you know, connected to Superman in some fashion. Then I think there's um, an emotional connection there that he can make. Like, you know, if he got killed during the fight with New Krypton, you know, all of a sudden he is responsible. Maybe he didn't throw the car. One of the New Kryptonians did. But, you know, he's he's the the bird in the sky and he's not watching out to what's happening on the ground, you know, something that nature. Um, and so, but no, it was, you know, Oh, my husband died of brain cancer and you Superman should have cured it. What?
1: Yeah. That doesn't make sense at all.
0: <clears throat> and I felt it just really, it, it, it deflated the rest of the story. Right. Cause as he looks back to it, you know, this picture over and over again, I'm just sitting there like, Oh God. You well, know, Superman's depressed cause he couldn't stop brain cancer. Well, let me tell you, yeah, you, you can't do it all. Um, and then he, cured, you know, you start to see him do some pretty mundane things. Like he helps somebody fix their car by locating um, the leaky uh, fuel valve, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sorry, that's not a good use of Superman's time. <laughs> I mean, if I was the guy working on my car and Superman comes up and he does a little x-ray vision, he's like, oh, it's a fuel valve. Let me help you with that. I'd be like, you know what? Soup's I got it. I, got you.
1: <laughs> I can pay I'm, for a mechanic. You know.
0: You probably have to go stop a tornado somewhere that's killing hundreds of people or an alien invasion or something. Trust me, leaky fuel valve, I got this one. You. I'm covered. So that was my problem, is that some of the mundane things were a little too mundane, and, and the catalyst was just ugh, so bad. Such a bad reason for him to get all mopey and depressed and start doing his walking, so... And it's kind of funny because, you know,
1: obviously we have the the geek, uh, you know, passionate geek. We could argue about the reality and this reality because it, it's, it's a, one of the almost stereotypes is arguing about stuff that isn't real. But, you know, you have that. I mean, that's certainly true here in that in the context of the Superman comic, the likelihood that Superman could cure cancer is kind of silly given what cancer is and given how cancer works and given, you know, all those all those different types of things. But at the same time you do, I mean, it's it's a story. And even given the context of the story, it does seem really strange. Like I, I understand that they were trying to make a point, that they were trying to probably illustrate, you know, Superman's removal from the common man. But that
0: seems to me a really strange way of going about it. It, it just didn't make any sense. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think they were trying to connect with their audience, um, mm-hmm. put something in there that maybe their audience experiences on a regular basis. Cancer is something that a lot of people go through. I completely understand that perspective, but from a logical standpoint, it right. just didn't make any sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to blame Superman for. It just sounds dumb to even say those words. Mm-hmm. You know, blame Superman for for someone dying of cancer. You know, it's there, there's so much more use you can do with that emotional power. You know, yeah. And, yeah. So, I like I said, I was disappointed. um I, I've come off of reading some pretty good series recently, and I was kind of looking forward to that one because mm-hmm. I'd read the hype around it. I was like, Superman's walking. Why would you ever walk? I would never walk if I could fly. <laughs> Right, you know, I right. would, I would even sitting at my chair playing video games, I would still probably just hover just cuz I could. Right. So, you know, the concept of someone choosing to to um walk, you know, when they could fly was just kind of weird to me. Also, they had a weird little bit where um Batman was kind of asking, you know, Superman, what are you doing, right? You know, you've got bigger things to worry about. Why the heck are you doing this? And it was uh Dick Grayson Batman. Yeah. Not uh, you know, Bruce Wayne Batman. And the dialogue, the tone that Dick Grayson took with him assumed a lot of things, right? Assumed a relationship that wasn't actually there, mm-hmm. right? I think had it been Bruce Wayne-Batman, the tone would have been appropriate, right? Bruce Wayne is allowed to call out Superman for, for his shenanigans, right? Um, it, you you see that if you read the Superman-Batman crossover series. They had that long-going yes. series. Yep. And Batman has always kind of considered himself, I guess, the keeper of Superman, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, th- did you kind of get that impression uh, from reading those series? Yeah,
1: I mean, definitely. Where Batman, Batman was a you know a contrast in in the way they approach you know crime, criminals, problems. But yeah, in, in a lot of ways, he was there to be a foil to Superman, you know, intentionally as well as you know uh, story wise.
0: <laughs> You know he was he, he meant, there were several times in that series he mentioned stuff that he would handle that he knew superman couldn 't handle due to, right. to moral values and stuff like that, but also the keeper in the way that he kept every type of kryptonite known to man because he was like, "You never know when I have to take out Superman
1: right right which is uh, apparently that 's one of the themes of the Justice League doom series, which we 'll talk about sometime I think so i'll uh' well, I'll throw that in now to mention later
0: <laughs> absolutely teaser another subject that will be coming down the line but yeah, so I think that you know the Bruce Wayne character can can take a tone and take an attitude with Superman because he's earned his chops, right. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson, I, I I didn't think he was coming from a you know a position where he could assume that type of relationship.
1: Right. Of course, one of the things that I'm very confused about because, like you said, there were all those shakeups in the universe. We've had Crisis, we've had Final Crisis, we've had the Monarch thing, we've had the we've had Fifty Two, we've had all these the Flashpoint. I don't actually know what the history for some of these characters is anymore. So, you know, I so did Dick Grayson ever
0: have I I I don't know. I doubt it. That's kind of dipping into the fifty-two thing a little bit, and and we can kind of just touch on that briefly. My problem with fifty-two is that I thought it was going to be a complete reboot, right? You know, and and that's what I was looking forward to. I was going to buy into that. I was like, "Do it, just reboot the series." You know, all the mess with like Earth Two, Earth Four, Earth Prime, all that good stuff. You know. All that was just confusing. It was cluttering up the universe. Set us from square one. You can get a whole new audience that way. They can see Batman go through, you know, his parents' death. He can see Superman because they always just tell that in flashbacks. They never sure. really expand upon it. You know, that could have gone on for a very long time. You know, as they come into their own as superheroes, meet each other, go through all those relationships again. Because when it's hard to come into the comic book series fresh, right? If you've never, if you've never even heard of Batman and you yep. pick up a comic you're going to be instantly lost, right? Right. And so, is that what you assumed that they were just going to completely hard reset the entire series? Um, I wasn't sure. I thought that's kind
1: of what was going to happen, but I wasn't, you know, I'm never sure what's going on with these big shakeups anymore. <laughs> so, so, that's what yeah. I assumed and then that was
0: completely not what happened.
1: Yeah. And what happened instead was a really confusing. Some things were changed, but not everything was changed. And you don't know
0: what was changed and what wasn't changed. Except- so, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, Batman does have Damien as a child. So he did sleep with Talia Agul, but apparently he's never met the Green Lantern before. So they had their encounter and Green Lantern's like, holy crap, you exist. And Well, that, although that, that's a little confusing because the Justice League series
1: started five years in the past. So that's why they had that encounter five years ago. So that's that's one of the other confusing things because that wasn't clear at all at first. Um, so yeah, I, I
0: I think I'm I was significantly disappointed with the new 52. It, it didn't accomplish what I thought it was going to accomplish in that make the series easier for new readers to get into. Right. All they did was take all their past stuff and make it even more confusing by saying we're gonna pick and choose what we're actually using for the new 52. Right. We're not going to tell you what we're using. You're going <laughs> yeah. to have to pick it up through
1: context. Through context, please. exactly. And and, uh, so... and, and you know, I like some of the new series, and I actually started picking up some of the 52 series. But, yeah, history-wise, I'm really confused about a few people.
0: Well, that's. I think they made things worse, because what they've done <laughs> is they've confused the older readers and they've confused the newer readers. So none of us knows what's going on with the whole series. <laughs> yeah. So... <clears throat> But we'll we'll delve into that a little bit deeper some other time. Like I said, a lot of meat on that bone, the whole yep. two. Yeah, they, and there and there's some series I really like, I have to say, so yeah. You know. They brought on some weird series too, like, you know, Frankenstein's team and stuff like that. Frankenstein Agent of Shade, yeah. Agent of Shade. Apparently the Red Lanterns are now good guys. Yep. Um which uh, you know, the the whole cat lantern, I'm in favor of. So,
1: Dexstar, yes.
0: Dexstar, you know, the 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 history of Dexstar is a sad one, but I he's the, the cutest, most powerful being in the the, the universe. So. <laughs> I've actually got a
1: coming out of the basement post on that, uh, on, on Dexstar specifically. Uh, so so,
0: <laughs> so yeah, that. go go read Collar's um post on <laughs> Dexstar. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be full of of cute funness in there. So yeah. Although it sounds weird to to associate cute with uh, the the geek culture and such. Well, you know, we have bronies now, so there you go. Very true. (laughs) So that's, uh, I think that'll cover it for today's episode. Uh, We covered um, Kickstarter and Superman Grounded. Kind of highlight uh, next episode, uh, I'm going to go into the D&D 5.0 speculation Um, For those of you who are into the tabletop gaming, we are going to be seeing a switchover at some point. I'm not going to say near future. I'm not going to say far future, but some point in the future, D and D 5.0 will be released, and and we'll go through the same pains as we went through when we went from 3.5 to 4.0. Yep. Lots of speculation about what the system will be. Carlos, you know you know a little bit about what's going on. I right? do. I,
1: I know I know a few game designers who work at uh, various places, like I mentioned, some, some folks at Paizo, some a couple of people at WotC. So yeah, I know a little bit about what's going on, um, and yeah, I'll be happy to talk about what I can. Um, uh, about that. So yeah, right now they're calling it D&D Next. Uh, they've, it looks like it has been, it, it, from what they've released so far, it has both been lauded and and, and, uh, and looked at with derision for being kind of like the everybody version of D&D. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that next time, I think.
0: Yeah, they're taking a lot of fan input this time.
1: Yep. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, you know, you touched on that before. We touched on it a little bit today was looking at uh, electronics uh, publishing. And me, I'm thinking of looking at some of the comics uh, that that come out electronically and uh, some of the uh, books. There are some books recently that have been released that I think have been really good uh, and really good geek books uh, that have only been released electronically. So I think it'd be really interesting to take a look at some of those and, and draw some attention to them.
0: I think there's a whole new brave world when it comes to electronic publishing. My wife is a huge, huge Kindle user. Um, you can't tear that thing away from her. She uses it in the car as I drive around.
1: Yeah, same, same here. My wife is also my wife is also a librarian, uh, although she does more cataloging. Uh, but yeah, uh, we are huge Kindle users, uh, huge ebook readers. Uh, we've got all kinds of stuff going on there. So, looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely, that sounds good. Um, Carlos, what's the URL for the blog?
1: Uh, Hopefully easy to remember, it's www.comingoutofthebasement.com.
0: And then if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach us at COTB1, because apparently someone else already had COTB. Uh So on Twitter, you can reach us at COTB1 and um, post any questions or subjects that you'd like us to cover.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much, BJ. It's been fun.
0: Thank you, Carlos, and we'll talk to everyone later. All right. Bye. Bye.